Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Steve Woodrow. All right, everybody. How's everybody doing? Everybody doing well? Hanging in there? That's good. Moving in the fall, when you pray for rain, obviously, right? And all these crazy fires uh, that are going on. But um, it's, boy, it's hard to argue with this weather here, huh? It's just been amazing. We are in our Hope Series still. If you're just joining us for the first time, we're, we're going to be in this, I think, for a while, just kind of honing in um, on, uh, on hope and just taking a different aspect of it uh, every week. This morning, I want to get in, uh, considering in about 18, 15 days, we have a, a, a big election and uh, crazy times coming. I hope you're praying. The scripture tells us, calls us to pray, right, for our leaders, pray for our nation, pray for peace, right? Uh, we need that pretty I think we're all in agreement how much we need that. I want to talk this morning uh, in this idea of hope um, and, and making sure that our hope is aligned, that, that we, uh, we understand specifically what it is to be a good citizen, and specifically a Christian citizen. Um, and I think, boy, this is the time where the church needs to rise up and model that uh, in the midst of the craziness going on. What is a Christian citizen? What does that mean? What does that look like? I've got five things for you. We're going to be in John 17 and looking at this idea of Jesus's powerful prayer of being in the world, not of the world. And how, what are we supposed to pull from that? Now, here's the deal. In Bible times, and really we are so blessed with the new responsibility to actually vote, to actually have a part in politics. Throughout most of the world, People have not had the freedoms, the liberty, right, that we share, that we have today. Uh, the, in the Bible, obviously Rome was the, uh, the empire. And you, as, the, as a citizen, especially for, if you're a Roman citizen, you had some rights. But most of the dominated territories had no rights. And the, the early church as well as obviously was mainly, mainly made up of Jewish people that had come to know Jesus at the time. Um, they did not have any rights. The scripture of the New Testament doesn't speak too much about um, citizenship, except, of course, our citizenship in heaven, which is primary. It gives uh, some things, though. It tells, obviously, commands us to pay Caesar what is Caesar, pay your taxes, be, be responsible to the authorities. Um, it says pray for our leaders is a command in scripture. Uh, and also pray for peace and pursue peace, right, in, these, in this world. So those would be three main categories right in, inside this. So how do we bring all that to bear today when we look at what's going on and we think about, okay, we are the most affluent people to ever walk on the face of the earth as Americans. And we're the most, and we've experienced the greatest level of liberty and freedoms of any people on the face of the earth. Uh, we talked last week about, remember, liberty flows primarily from the gospel. If you have a conversation about freedom and liberty, you, can, you keep marching back, marching back in that conversation, going deeper and deeper. You're going to find yourself at the gospel. No other system, no other message in all the world has accomplished true freedom that begins right with the soul, setting the heart and soul of mankind free by the power of Jesus, what his death, his burial, his resurrection. It is all of that that has and created this nation, right? The founding principles of this nation uh, we'll look a little bit at some of those this morning to understand the liberty that we, it flows from the gospel. It is impossible for mankind to maintain a life system, nation, community of freedom without the injection of the gospel. Uh, just look at history. Um, we could prove that, right? Is that we all because of the fallen nature of the world we live in, we move towards chaos. We move towards what? A system where liberties are taken away. And that's what's happening, folks, in the midst of our country right now. Liberty is at risk, right? And it always has been, but when you leave the foundation of the very thing that brought liberty, right, then it's, it's a critical time. And this calls for the church and Christians to be extremely wise in the sense of understanding our role. When Jesus sends us into the world, what does that look like? What's our priority uh, before God and as citizens right here in this wonderful nation? So 
with that said, uh, I've got five things. I want to just summarize those this morning, and then I want us to get into John 17, and then uh, we'll back out into those, those five things. So I'm just going to run through them here. I'd encourage you to, to write these down or take them, uh, re-listen to it, whatever it is, and to think through these. Uh, these are things that we we need to work on, we need to, to, to really adjust, I think, in a big way as the church in America on a larger scale uh, and have some honest discussion around these things. Um, so here's my definition. If I had to give one this morning, a Christian, the Christian citizen learns to live in the world but not be of the world. We'll talk about that. While becoming one with the Trinity, one in fellowship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we're going to talk about that as the priority in the body of Christ, one with each other, his church, his family, so the world may believe. So the world may believe. If the church is disunified, guess what happens to the mission and the message of the gospel? Therefore, liberty. Yeah. So I, I just want that to sink in, right? And, and I'm speaking to us as a church, but also this is a broader message to the church in America. If the church is disunified, if we are not moving, our priority is not moving in intimacy and fellowship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and with the body of Christ, we will not be able to accomplish the mission that God has given us. And that disunity flows spiritually from the church into the nation that it exists in. And if the church is not unified, guess what happens to liberty? It fades quickly. It fades quickly. So here's the, here's the five things. I'm going to run through them real quick. Christian citizen, don't be of the world. Don't be of the world. And so when we get into politics and everything, the temptation is to be of the world, right? When we get out there into the world and do our vocation and everything, is the temptation is always, right? He saved us out of the world, right? And we'll take a, a little look at that. The second one is to Christians to be in the world, but not of it. In other words, don't go whole off like in some monastery, right? And, and put a monk clothes on and just disengage from the world. That is not, by the way, anywhere in the mission of God. Oh, it was a season of solitude. But there is never, never ever, right, to be a complete isolation. The church is to be forefront, tip of the spear, in the world on mission for God. Making a difference in our spheres of influence. Making a difference in the lives and the hearts, right, of people. So Christian citizen, be in the world. Christian citizen, don't confuse political power with spiritual power. Whoa. We don't have enough time to break that one down. Don't confuse political power with spiritual power. Throughout America, we've had Christian you know, movements, right, that have, uh, have kind of almost taken on the crusader mentality that, oh, it's God's power. It's, it's, by, it's God's will that we, by force, by legislation, we move and advance, right, this nation towards a Christian nation. Be careful with that. We'll talk a little bit about that. Don't confuse these, right? Fourth one, Christian citizen, vote with conviction. Vote with conviction, not emotion. We're going to talk a lot about that one. This is where we need, as a nation, some serious help and openness in dialogue with each other. It's a massive responsibility to have the freedom liberty we do. And it needs to be out of absolute conviction, not emotion, right? And that goes for pretty much all decisions in life, right? And the final one, as I ended with here, is, um, folks, Christian citizen, be one with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and the family of God. It's top priority. Without moving in the local church into unity, when unity breaks, it flows out. And when the church on a whole, right, in, in America can't be unified in, in its pursuit of oneness, of, of fellowship, keeping the main thing the main thing, Liberty is lost because ultimate liberty, right, comes from the gospel, liberating the soul, right? Uh, having us complete, what does Scripture say? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, right? The glory of salvation. So we'll, um, we'll tag back at these. Uh, oops, let me see where I'm, I think I went too far here. Oh, yeah. oh all right, there we go. We'll leave it there for a minute. All right. If you have your 
Bibles, if you'll turn with me to John 17 this morning. I'm going to read a larger, I don't have it on the screen this morning because it's a larger, I want to read the whole prayer. This is actually the Lord's Prayer because uh, this is the one Jesus actually prayed himself to the Father after the Lord's Supper somewhere towards the end before he was taken to the cross and in the presence of the disciples. And so let me just pick up, I'm going to stop along the way and just point out a few things. I, I commend this prayer to you. You want to hear the heart of Jesus, the heart of your Savior camp out in this, in this prayer of Jesus' communion with, with his heavenly Father. It says, when Jesus has spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life that, you, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This is eternal life. It's, it's simple. It's a relational redemption of knowing your creator. And Jesus Christ, his son, who he sent to redeem you, it's knowing him. This is God's, it's not, it's not going through a bunch of hoops. It's not being a part of this denomination, that denomination. It's, it's not all these things. It's not having your theology perfect. Eternal life, what Jesus came to give was a vibrant, the, the life of God inside the soul of man, this awakening to an ongoing, vibrant, intimate, daily, walking, talking relationship with God himself. So do you know him? Verse four, Jesus says, I glorified you, Father, on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me. And they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you sent me. To know Jesus is to receive his word. To know him is to receive his, not bucket, not, not, not just dabble in it. It's to receive it. Right? Like the parable says, as, as life is seed on our heart to grow and to bring eternal life right alive inside our soul. It's to receive the word of God. Verse 9, I'm praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. Remember, Romans 8 tells us that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father right now. He's interceding for you. And the Holy Spirit is interceding for you. They're praying for you praying for us. Verse 10, all mine are yours and yours are mine and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I'm coming to you, Father, Holy Father. Keep them in your name, which you've given me, that they may be one even as we are one. Folks, this is the Great Commission. Go make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name. In other words, immerse them in real intimate relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That they may be one, that we all would experience this union, right, with, with God. Verse 12, while I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost, except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. That was Judas. But now I am coming to you and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I've given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world. Just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world but that you keep them from the evil one. As Jesus realized the spiritual battle we would be in, there's a battle for your soul. There's a battle for my soul. This is a fallen world. There's an enemy and, and, and demonic forces that are at work. And we know the scripture says that, that this world system itself is under his power, actually. Right? Verse 16. 
They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is the truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in the truth. Now, that first part, Jesus was primary, primarily praying for those who were with him, the twelve. But he transitions, we know that's for us as well, because the next part says, he broadens it, verse 20, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's us, believing as in response to the years of faithful Christian ministry throughout the centuries. That they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. The word of God. Man. Folks, I hope what rings true throughout that whole thing is the love of God for you. That more than anything, in sending Jesus, it was to bring you and his people into union, into this intimacy that words can't even describe. Words, uh, look what Jesus wants for you. He wants you to be in his presence. And that's why he's come after you, to be in his presence, and we're to do that now in preparation for him revealing the fullness of his glory to us. All the things, the scripture says, all the things that God has in store, right, for his children is mind-blowing, unspeakable joy. It's indescribable of what is yet to come, right, for those who love him, right, and have a relationship with him. Until then, though, he doesn't call us out of the world. He came to save us, but to leave us in the world, he came to save us out of the world. Now, this is real important, and so this is where we're going to dive in here with these five things, just break them down a little bit. Um, well, maybe we're just going to look at that cute little baby. All right, I can't go backwards for some reason. Can you put me back to the beginning of my, of my uh, slides? And while we're doing that, if you guys will turn to 1 John chapter 2, all the way to the back. We're going to just take a look at a couple things. Got to do a little theology here. Um, make sense of something. So, don't be of the world. So Jesus was sent by us to call us out. To be a Christian is being called out, a, a holy one, a separate one. We see this all through the scriptures. That God steps into the world and he calls out a people for himself, a family for himself. And uh, this is critically important to understand if we're going to be faithful in the world and carry out our life and the mission that God has for us. To understand what does this mean being called out? out of the world, to be separate, right, from the world, that this world is passing away. And so, um, in 1 John chapter 2, starting verse 15, John, who wrote the gospel, he also wrote the uh, first, second, third John, he writes to us, says, do not love the world or the things in the world. For if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. And so here John defines for us clearly, watch out, you've been called out as a follower of Jesus and part of discipleship and learning to be a good citizen is, is understanding that separateness, holiness, 
being untethered more and more for the things of the world, having our eyes more and heart more in affection towards God and his, um, uh, and his uh, blessings and promises, right, for the future. But boy, the world, as he says, remember Jesus, I, I don't pull them out. I, I pray that you would keep them from the evil one because the evil one is trying to drag us in, right? Keep us in bondage, right, to the things of the world, to these things, right? And we don't have time to look at these. It goes all the way back to Genesis. Nothing new under the sun from the very first sin when the world itself that God created as good fell because of what? Our choices, and, and that's where the flesh took over, desires of the flesh. Look at the apple. This is good. This is going to be good for you. But God said not to. But, but I want it. But I want it. Right? Desires of the eyes. Right? Everything that goes with that, that Jesus said, is watch your eyes. Your eyes, they're, they're the lamp of the body. What you put your eyes upon, be careful. Right? And, uh, and of course, the pride of life, which is all the way back to, starts with Adam and Eve. Right? No, I'm, I'm going to choose what's best in life for me. I know what's best for me. God's holding out on me. And to think that we can do this better, that we can do it without God, that we can solve and bring peace into this world without God. That's the pride of life and everything that goes with it. Just the, the general attitude of pride of life is just this idea of not needing God, just living life like I don't need God, like majority of my life is in the horizontal and I just don't give God much attention. That's the pride of life, thinking that really... Where does your very breath come from? Where does your soul come from? Who created your DNA? And, and to think that one day we're going to die and that how, my, how much of America is just asleep when it comes to the real important things of life. It's a, the pride of life. No, I'm going to live life like I want to. I'm going to just live in the world and call my shots and not, not turn upward, right, to call upon call upon God. And so this idea of a Christian citizen is don't be of the world is we have to do this work, right? This is the work of sanctification, discipleship, right? To get untethered, right? And this is where the gospel comes in, the liberator, the power of the Holy Spirit to liberate my soul from the things of the world that had an attachment on me to set me free to be this child that is of God and, and is walking in the promises and the blessings of God. True liberation, right? And if this is not happening, then boy, any of my work in the world is going to be corrupted. I'm going to be more of the world in my approach. I'm going to be more fleshly in my in my approach to politics or discussions with people or, or whatever it may be, is um, uh, first and foremost, every one of us needs to be in discipleship, right? Is the word of God forming me, right? And is the gospel itself liberating me more and more into the freedom, right, that God, right, has for us? Um, does that make sense, gang? Don't be of the world. And, and unfortunately, so much of the church over several decades now, we have bought this lie that, man, we've got a bridge. We've, we've got to be more like the world. We've even brought things into the church of the world thinking this is how we reach people better. And uh, some of that's okay, but that's a dangerous game to play. Nowhere do we find in scripture that this idea that, hey, I'm going to go, I'm going to be like the world so I can maybe save some people. Paul did say that I become all things to all people that I might save them. That wasn't Paul becoming the world. That was Paul setting himself, right, into certain environments that he could be a light and boldly, right, speak the good news of, of Jesus. So it begins right here, this idea of, of being a good Christian citizen. What does it mean? And the next part of this is, is okay, we got to be in the world. Jesus sent us, it says, um, Father, as you sent me into the world, and folks, I think we just camp out on that line. Jesus says to us, as the Father sent him into the world, Jesus says, so I send you into the world. He's our example. We do what Jesus did. And what was Jesus' priority? And, and folks, I, I want to speak to the millennial crew, especially on this issue. Please, I plead with you, recover the gospel over, let it wash over any social justice endeavors. Jesus did not have social justice at the tip of his spear. He had the gospel. He had people's souls at the tip of the spear. Social justice was a fallout. It was, it was secondary to the priority of what Jesus was about, loving people and liberating people's souls so that social justice could flow down, Right? But when we get that reversed, you know what? The world takes over. Oh yeah, maybe, maybe a few good things happen, but no eternal things happen. 
And boy, things get really, really confused in, in that endeavor. So we need to learn to, to be in the world. Now, turn with, why well, don't we need to turn there? Everybody should know John 3.16. So I want to just do a quick little theology thing here. So it's important for us to understand how is John using, especially when Jesus prayed, look how many times he uses the word world, right? And to understand how he's using this, don't, so don't be of the world, church, but be in it. And we just read John said, said simply, don't love the world and everything that's in the world. The world's passing away. But what does John 3.16 say? God so, wait a minute. God so loved the world, but I'm told not to love the world? What's going on here? Yeah. Yeah, so it's very important that we understand and take some time to sit back and understand what's going on here. First chapter of John, Jesus came into the world and it says that through Jesus, he's the logos, he's the word of God. It's by his words that the world was created. And so God loves it. Remember in the beginning, he says, it's beautiful, it's good. And by the way, God's larger, good Romans 8, God's larger plan for the world is to redeem, right? To bring renewal to this world. When John, we see in scriptures, the world is passing away. Well, it's all of that corruption is passing away. And it needs to have the fire of judgment, the scripture says, to cleanse it. And that's what God's plan is to restore the, his creation. Not just, and he began that restoration, Jesus coming to restore the human heart, right? The, the pinnacle of his creation, which is us, made in his image. He restores that renewal here, bringing liberation to the human soul. And as time goes on, he's going to liberate again, Romans 8 says, the world, the creation, right, itself. But in the meantime, we have the flesh, we have sin, we have corruption that has entered into the world, the pride of life and all these things that Jesus came to redeem us out of, right? And those are the things that we're not to love. Does that make sense, everyone? It's just a proper understanding, right, of the, of the world. So, when it says, be in the world. So, gang, here it is. Is that um, though back then you, you were limited in your civic uh, uh, opportunities. Today, look what we have. Look at the incredible liberty so far. Right? That, that we have in our country. And remember, um, and again, I don't need to get too deep into kind of political philosophy, but um, the reason why democracy and Christianity go perfectly together is because a government, right, of the people, by the people, for the people, is based upon the pr Christian principle of we're made in the image of God. Everyone is equally worthy before God. There is no other system in all the world that has that. Do you know that? Every bit, every bit of the beauty and power of our constitution and what has laid this nation out has flowed from no other philosophy, no other religion in the world has flowed strictly from the gospel, the understanding of that we are all made in the image of God and therefore perfect, the best worldly government you can have is a government, right, of the people, by the people, for the people. Because what? The image of God is set in you. And you, and you. And we're to work together with God, humbly before him, trusting him, right? To have a, a free, liberated nation that what? Is a force for good in the world, right? So that's one principle. The other massive principle that lays the foundation, these are things we've got to recover today in our dialogue um, because we've lost them, honestly, and losing them quickly. But the other one is just checks and balances, is that we know that we're creating the image of God, but we also get that, that we are flawed, that we are desperate sinners. Everyone. And why is America set up? Why do we have the checks and balances upon the executive branch, judicial branch, the legislative branch? It's brilliant. What, you, what was it that brought us to that place? It's the biblical principle that, guess what? I'm a sinner. I need some accountability. And as a nation, right, was, who was it, Lord Acton or whoever said, right, power corrupts and absolute power absolutely corrupts? Without, and, and, and folks, here's the deal. Without social trust, community falls apart. And we are right on the edge. Right on the edge. 
Many of you have traveled the world and you know from a third world standpoint, it's an absolute mess. Why? Because, and why does everybody want to do business with America? Social trust. Why do you not want to do business in Venezuela? There's no social trust. There's corruption all the way to the top. And we could go down the line, government after government after government. And if you've been in mission work, you know that one of the biggest walls to bring practical help and liberation to people who are hurting are, you might get all the money raised in the world. You might get all the supplies raised in the world. And you try to get it to Haiti, 20 plus billion dollars of aid. What do we have to show for it? Zip. Why is that? Because there's no social trust. You have a system that's corrupt, right? And uh, I could go on and on, right, on that thing, but I think you understand, right, the, this, this principle, right? Be in the world. And so our motivation is, gang, we have this opportunity. And so I, what I want to say loud and clear to crossroads, crossroaders here in, 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 uh, in Aspen, Colorado, and, and those who are seasonally here and you go off somewhere else is it's time for us to pray about doing something hard. It's time for us to roll up our sleeves. Some of you need to run for school board. Some of you need to run for city council. Some of you need to think about, Lord, how can I come and make a difference? Be salt and light. Not by the power of politics, but be a presence of the liberating power of the gospel to bring peace and unity to these environments. Now, we all need to do this in our areas of vocation. Ask, start asking God, how can I be a presence of peace and blessing? Lord, show me, make me, equip me to be that force there. But we need to step it up here, gang, in our country. We need those who love Jesus. We need those who understand liberty, who understand and live under, right, this awesome loving God to pursue, right, those levels of government and institutional influence to be a light, to be a light. And we have, uh, I think, stepped back, right, from this. So it's interesting here, be of the world. The first one was don't be of the world. And, um, and we've gone out of balance with that, right? But don't be, and, and then this one, be in the world, right? We've been out of balance on that. And, and throughout church history, you have some who, who have taken a militant view of, of going and forcing things. That's wrong and out of balance. But we have others who've just pulled back the pietistic of, uh, view, which again, is that kind of monastic view that says the world is evil and we just need to huddle up as in our Christian little huddle here and, and just remove ourselves from the world. And, and I don't even want to talk about Pollux. You know, you hear the saying, all, oh, we're going to change something here. I'm going to ask you to do something. You hear this thing all the time. Oh, man, we can't talk about politics and religion. You know, that's all we need to be talking about. I want to change the context here. Throughout history, politics, philosophy, and religion were always coupled together, never separated. Our problem today is because they've been separated. So our new line needs to be a people, and they say, oh, we don't talk about it. We say, that's all I want to talk about. What else, you want? what else is there to talk about? These are the most important things we need to talk about is religion, right, is God, Ultimately, the gospel and Jesus and politics, what is happening in the world, right? And until we engage that and are able to do that in a loving, very healthy way, we're just not going to be the vibrant tools of God, right, to bring not only personal, most important, right, liberation to the soul, loving people, right, loving each other, being the body, but being able to take that out into a civic area where we see that peace, that wisdom of God, Right? If there's a massive problem we have uh, in economics or, or whatever it is, is God says, man, I'm up here. I'm up here. I, I, I promise you to ask for wisdom. I'll give it to you. So wh where are the people in your business issues, in your civic responsibility, in home, neighborhood, whatever? It says, Lord, I need some wisdom. I need divine supernatural wisdom how to bring a solution to this problem. And where are God's people today willing to step out and do something hard, willing to roll our sleeves up and get involved to do something big, to sacrifice, to see something great happen in the world? We have, what's happened to us? The world has put us to sleep. Do you know that? The world and its systems has put us to sleep in America. We are entitled. We are comfortable. We're more concerned about getting our comfort and recreation in than we are sitting around thinking about, Lord, how can I be used to make a difference in this world? When I'm done, I can say, man, I gave it all to see something great happen. Does that make sense? We need to, and this needs to start with the church. We need to like, come on, let's get off our fannies, right? And let's do something. 
Let's have God mobilize us to, to get out of, rock us out of this comfort, this numbing, right, pathetic, narcissistic, spineless, what else we want to call it? Pathetic position and Lord, let's, we're available. Let's do something great. Let's give our lives to something, right? And it was lost in a generation because this, you know, we've been peace. We haven't, we haven't understood war. I mean, some have obviously, but as a, a whole nation, right? We're, we have sucked into the, the world and it's put us to sleep, in the church, it's put us to sleep. So, folks, let's be in the world. Let's ask God, right? Let's have him raise up people who get passionate about local government, county government, right? Other um, causes and things out there, you know. Um, man, talking to some friends who uh, oversee the love justice movement of sex trafficking. Man, they're putting their lives on the line for something that is, is, that is a real issue that we need to deal with in our nation. Unlike a lot of the things that we're dealing with that aren't, that are more politicized, right? So let's do something. Third thing, see Christian citizen, don't confuse political power and spiritual power. Man, um, what do we, we want to say on this is, uh, gosh, right? It, it's so confusing, isn't it? It's such a, a sucker, you know, power. And this is the, the, the this is the problem, um, is human, it, 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 boy, there's nothing more tempting than, than to have power and to either use it or abuse it. And what a responsibility when we have a position, but no matter what that power is over people, is to put it before God, right? And uh, so it's critical that in these times we understand what it is to be a citizen. Is that, man, I don't want to confuse legislative power. Let's just say that, voting power. Whatever it is, yes, we need to be a part of all that. But we need to realize, ultimately, Lord, is, um, and, and you know, we have Daniel to look at. We have, we have uh, Nehemiah to look at. They were involved in political things, but their focus, their center, right, was honoring God and realizing that nothing can really be done unless it's done by the Spirit of God, right? It was Zechariah 4, 6. Not by what? Might. Not by power, but by my Spirit says the Lord, is to learn to rely on him, to have open doors. If you feel like you're just hitting a wall with something, okay, Lord, I, I can't, I don't have the ability, I don't have the wisdom, I don't have the education, I don't have the, the power to, to, to move forward, is Lord, I, I need you to open doors. I, I need you, your spirit, to fill me and, and move me right into right, this situation. There's a lot more we could say on that one. Let me get this one. Vote with conviction, not with emotion. Does that make sense, gang? This is such a massive, I, I mean, I, I'm tempted to just get off, but I'll probably get in trouble um, on this deal. But here's the deal. Every bit of social media, every bit of our context right now, it is staggers me. The conversations I've had with incredibly educated people today, and they are voting. They're more wrapped up in the emotion of everything going on than they are taking the time to prayerfully be responsible with the liberty and blessing that we have to think through the issues and bring an informed mentality to the discussion rather than just get caught up in the emotion of what's on your Twitter feed or your Instagram or whatever else and to let that impact how you vote. Voting, folks, is a massive blessing. It is a massive responsibility. And I'm going to say it right now. Everything out there is just go vote, go vote, go vote. That is actually wrong. What it, that is doing is it's, it's in putting out there a whole bunch of people. Just, just go vote. No, what should be said is no, take some time. Read the platforms. Get involved. Put it through. If you're a Christian citizen, it should be through right the biblical theological filter of, Lord, I need wisdom on this, on these issues. Show me, God. And we can't do it on all issues, but the primary issues, right? Be informed. And, and I would say what the church can do beautifully and powerfully in this culture today is when political discussions happen, keep it on the, 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 the plot, keep it on substance and information. It, it, it is basically gossip if we sit around and go talk about this person, that person. And folks, this is, this is, by, this is across the board. This is both sides or all sides have a problem here. This isn't one side or the other, right? Everybody is having a problem with this issue today. And so it's time for the church to model healthy dialogue about citizenship, about citizenship. What is a citizen? 
People have died so that we could have, right, this, this healthy, you know, nation. And I'm an immigrant, by the way. I immigrated from Canada. I was born there, lived there only a couple of years, and then brought back Texas. And uh, I remember at six years old, my dad and my sister and I, we went to a court, uh, court went through the whole, some educational process on, on what it was to become an American citizen. This is lost today. We sat in a courtroom with, I had Koreans in there. I remember, I was six or seven, I can't remember, but I vividly remember the courtroom because it was the first time I was in a courtroom. And there were sins of all, right? There was Koreans in there. It was, it was, it was all these, these people. And you had local businessmen come and share about the blessing of doing business in America. You had a judge and other people give testimony and talk about the Constitution. You had to read the Constitution. I, I, where is that today? We've lost the unity. We've lost the idea of citizenship and the incredible blessing and where it flows from, right? Where it flows from. And so, um, boy, gang, right now we can put this to work, right? And I just ask you, are you voting with conviction? Or are you just wrapped up in a bunch of emotion? Because I'm telling you right now, if you vote with, with emotion, that is sin. That is sin. Because you're not doing it with faith. Because with faith means I got to do it principled. I have to, I have to look at the text. I have to pray about it. I have to think through what I'm doing. But if you're voting just because you don't like this candidate, you don't like that candidate, or, or you heard this Twitter thing or that, or whatever it is, that's pure irresponsibility. It's pure sin. And it's to the church that needs to take this into dialogue, bring down the temperatures, and have healthy dialogue, and to be able to do what? Restore civility healthy citizenship, healthy dialogue. Last one. And most importantly, folks, here it is, Christian system, be one with the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and one with the family of God. As I started this out is, folks, if unity can't happen, if we can't nurture unity here, right, then it affects the ability of liberty everywhere. So let's just, let's just bring it back to Aspen. If crossroads can't be unified, and why do you think the enemy, when Jesus prayed, keep them from the enemy, is he knows his primary attack is to disunify the church. Because if he can disunify the church, he's killed the mission. He's killed liberty. He's killed the liberty of the gospel to flow out, right, into the community and into the nation, right, itself. And boy, we have this idea that we can just somehow follow Jesus in our own isolated world and, and have a vibrant relationship with him without being in commitment and unity to the family of God, to a local expression. That is nowhere in scripture. Nowhere. Is we have to work in unity. Man, and, and folks, this is Jesus' last prayer. I mean, at least large prayer. This is the last words he left in his teaching to the disciples. I think it's pretty important. And how many times did he pray that they may be one, 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 that they may be one? So that what? So that the world may know. So they may know. Without unity, the nation will never experience unity. And we've lost our unity today. We're all about exalting diversity. And what is that doing for us? It just has us at each other's throats. Because if we have no ability to unite on something. And folks, that's crept into the church, right? It's crept into the church. And so I hope you'll take these, these five things. There's so, so much more, obviously, in each of those. But do those make sense, gang? Those make sense? Man, take some time, dive into those. Let's, let's wrestle with them. Let's encourage each other and let's engage others in healthy dialogue. Let's, let's flip this thing. Let's talk about religion. Let's talk about politics and together. Oh, heaven forbid, <laughs> you know? But we have to be able to bring that discussion to a table without it becoming disunified and let it be productive, right? and let it be productive. And folks, in the church, this unity thing, here's the deal, is that for the Spirit of God to move inside a church, there has to be grace. And, and with that, there is no unity without grace. And when grace takes over, there's room in a body for people of all parties. Ooh, are you listening to me? There's room for people of all parties. 
and expression. And it's in that context of grace and open arms that people can sit down and it shouldn't be this, oh, you're that party or you're voting for that guy, you're voting for this guy. It should be, right, an acknowledgement of each other's differences and being willing to work it out, come to the table. And I mean, I want to know why, what do you, why do you believe that? Why do you believe it? And, and, and challenge each other with our convictions to make sure that our convictions are being from here and not from the world, Right? And we need to refine each other in that, right? And so unity in the church, it should transcend all political party. Do you know that? Right? And so what's happening today, when 9-11 happened, do you know 13% of people left? Oh, no, I'm sorry. When, when uh, um, the president was elected in 2016, 13% of people left the church. That's a totally misguided understanding of church and politics, Right? There has to be room for unity. There has to be room for anyone of any party, of anything to be in God's house. And there has to be a sense of this mutual willingness to engage each other below emotion. But so, folks, so much of it's emotion. And folks, we know, right? When, if emotion drives things, it's going to be fleshly. It's not going to be good, right? So let's, uh, let's help each other with these five things. Let's refine these. Let's get into dialogue on these things, right? So let's, um, let me just pray for us, and we're going to, uh, you know, as we always do, we have open mic here, and, and I think for sure what would be great considering we're weeks away and, and our nation needs, our, what we know uh, a good citizen is to do is we're to pray for our leaders, we're to pray for our nation, we're to pray for peace, and maybe just a couple of you would, would pray for us corporately. Just pray over, right, the liberty, the blessing of God, right, over this process. We need a peaceful process, don't we? A peaceful process, right? We need exposed any illegal, right, corrupting activity. We need a healthy process, right? And um, so if you would just, a couple of you just pray for that. And again, if God has something on your heart, please come share it. If it's to strengthen and encourage the body. That would be awesome. Father, thank you for this morning. Lord, we want to grow as a church body to understand what it is to be a Christian citizen that pleases you, God, first and foremost, that we understand how to be in the world but not of the world, God. Let us encourage each other. Let us take with full on responsibility all the freedoms we have in this nation, Lord. Let, us, let leaders rise up. Lord, let, let new leaders rise up. Lord, to step out and bring salt and light, Lord, into this world. Lord, we love you. We want to hear from you, Holy Spirit. Speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. My name is Jeanette, and I'm from Venezuela. I know what it's like to see a beautiful country be destroyed. We were the United States of South America. We were that. People came from all over South America to Venezuela for freedom, for liberty, and we lost it. Look at what it is today. Wake up. We've seen the process, little by little, the promise of unity, this liber liberations and, and, and your rights and, and equality without God. Took us where we're at today. Yeah, I remember what it was like as a kid in Venezuela. I grew up there. I miss that. Your children will say, I remember what it was like to be in America. Stand up. Let us pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we worship you. We come before you, Lord, and we cry out to you, Lord, would you please bring a new anointing to your church. Father, we May your people stand up, Lord. Holy Spirit, move.
move in this place today move in me move in each one of us oh father may we rise up as your people and be your voice father we put our, our agendas to the side our beliefs personal beliefs to the side and may your holy spirit speak and lord may we be your instrument of peace of wisdom every time we encounter somebody lord that it will be you holy spirit speaking through us not through our human wisdom and understanding but your holy spirit moving through us use us lord father forgive us for living our lives according to our own understanding and wisdom we ask your forgiveness as a church forgive us lord we need you and we pray for america we pray for our president we pray for our leaders we ask holy spirit move we're losing our rights every single day lord move speak to us thank you jesus for dying on the cross for our sins because you paid the ultimate price so that we may have freedom in jesus name we pray amen um lord god please make let us make the right decision on who we're voting for and that the president that you want will become president and that you will fix our country and that you will <laughs> go in everybody's heart and that the president that will be voted will be in, in your name and that you will go into everybody's heart and everybody will know who you are and that the president will know who you are and we thank you so much that we have the freedom to praise you, God, and that we have the freedom to do things to praise you, God, and that you will go into everybody's heart on the election day, and they will, you will just tell them who to vote for, and it will be the right person, and that person will bring our country together and bring it to you, God, and he will bring it to you, and that you will come into our hearts and that you will fix things that maybe we have something in our heart that we need you to fix. You can fix that and that you could fix, help people in this country and help our country and help our state with what's going on. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com.